Good morning, happy Friday. Welcome to Adam versus the Man. We made it again another week of 2020 in the can. What an exciting week it's been. Going back from Thanksgiving, catching up on all the news. Quite a week. We've covered a lot here. It's Friday, open lines Friday in the tradition of that great winner of the Presidential Medal of Freedom, Rush Limbaugh himself. Yes, the greatest of all time. Not by uh, any any standards important to, to libertarians, of course, but certainly a legend in broadcasting. Today we are taking your calls, and I I don't I, I'm just we're going to make it really simple today. The best caller wins membership in the Producers Club. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Best caller. Uh, all of our contests are kind of subjective anyway, right? But yeah, check it out. There's going to be a link wherever you're watching this. You're watching right now, and you know that this message is important. Share this video. Help us grow the audience. You know that in independent media, we require your support as active, engaged members of the audience to make this show possible. So if you want to support the show as a member of the Producers Club, boom, right there, adamversustheman.com. Check it out. Somewhere on there is a link to patreon.com slash adamversustheman. $10 a month gets you into our Producers Club. But today you can just, you can call in and, I don't know if you're clever, if you entertain me, you can win membership in the Producers Club. That's right, for free today. The link, our intrepid producer CJ and co-host Comment Jim Freedom will have that in the description, in the in the notes, wherever it is. It's very easy to call in. You, you don't have to use video. And, and uh, you know, I have this beautiful studio set up like we do here at the Garden of Freedom. Still open to sponsorship, by the way, but it really is our Producers Club who makes this possible. If you're in the Producers Club, you also get 15% off your merch and free shipping at the adamversustheman.com store. Two other critical ways to support the show, check out our partner, our affiliate partner, cigarfederation.com, where promo code ADAM10, A-D-A-M-1-0, gets you 10% off your order. Amazing cigars there. I am going to be enjoying one of the JSK nugs this evening. Oh, I don't know. What time is what time is sunset in Arizona? I guess I should figure this. I should figure this out earlier. I would on my phone, but I'm I'm kind of using it right now. Let's see what. Well, let's ask Google. What time is sunset in Arizona tonight? By the way, we have we have some cool stuff in the show. Five twenty. Excuse me, five twenty. So five o'clock tonight. Man, that's early. Not much time between the show, the end of the show, and the start of cigars and sunset. It's going to be five o'clock tonight. On Periscope, Twitter.com slash at Adam Kokesh, or just Adam Kokesh, the URL. You can follow me there. Appreciate it. And uh, just a fun, relaxed Friday conversation. Of course, the last thing we got to mention is makethemdebate.com. Uh, fun way to make debates happen. But, you know, uh, CJ, I know you want me to get, to get through all these promos and get to some fun callers and whatnot. Yeah, you can show me next to Joe Rogan there. But uh, a couple other things. We've got some exciting projects in the works. One, Homefront Battle Buddies. We're bringing back that branding from Iraq Veterans Against the War to create a new veteran service organization for vets who want to seek treatment or community outside of official channels. There are a lot of reasons one might do that. If you're familiar with the show and my story, you know there, there, I, I have my reasons. Um, also, the Garden of Freedom. Check us out at the Garden of Freedom on Instagram 
and uh, the wonderful gallery there and all the stuff we got going on. So much more to, to, to get involved with. If you want to have anything with anything I'm doing, email me, adam at thefreedomline.com. Let's get Comic Jim Freedom up here, see what's going on with the audience early on a Friday. That link that's going out, call in, be ready. Good morning, Jim. How you doing, brother? Good morning. How's it going? I've already I've already sent the link. The link is out there, so copy and paste that link into your browser. Use headphones if possible. Audio only calls are acceptable if your camera's shy. Uh, James Toller today says hello everyone. He is our first commenter from Facebook. Craig Darty is our second. Happy Friday, Freedom Lovers. Mr. Baxley says, yo, he's third. Don't be a status came in fourth today. He's usually our first commenter, and he came in fourth <laughs> today. He he overslept it or something. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah, we got a nice call-in show. The link's already out there. So hopefully well, you, you know, get some good ones. Jim, there is, there is one – Thing that uh, you know just kind of bubbled up as the theme in the headlines today. That I, I we are our first block uh, news block today is about the vaccine, vaccines and policy, and uh, it, it's it's disturbing. You know, and honestly, I still I, I I mean maybe maybe this would be you know my question for callers. You can call and talk about whatever you want. It is after all open lines Friday, but. Where we go from this with positive or negative momentum, right? I thought we would we would be kind of, you know, coming to more of an end, a sort of conclusion of this, so this whole thing. But it, it's it seems more persistent than I thought, uh, and certainly than they would. Have. Did I fall for that part of the mainstream narrative? <laughs> oh, uh, but right now. You know, some of the second wave lockdowns, shutdowns, the policy around vaccines. Uh, and, and the thing I noticed, with the, and you'll see this when we get into these stories, there's kind of a back and forth. There's a, the, 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 now, I don't know if this, is, this particular aspect is intentional or not, right? It could just be eh, the way things are going with, with all the other conspiracies around. But, oh, we got a vaccine. Oh, but it's only this effective. Oh, but it might have really bad side effects. Uh, well, we're going to have to bribe people to take it. Well, we might not have enough supplies. Well, it might be really good, but it might, yeah, we don't know. And it, it's just the, the fear and uncertainty of our current situation around COVID seems to have a lot of momentum still. And that's, that's kind of the big uh, you, you know, thing to keep in mind right now is that the – you know, oh, well, beatings will continue until morale improves. We're we're, we're going to keep beating you. You know, if you don't if you don't get it, there's there's this I I don't know how else to describe it. Maybe when we 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 finish this COVID vaccine block, you know, the, the, these questions will become a little more clear. But I, I hope that people appreciate what we're doing with this with Adam versus the man is again trying to step back and and, and take the bigger picture of this. And not just give you, well, this is what the mainstream media is saying today and to be afraid of, and this is why they're wrong. No, no. I, I really want, and this is this is how you know, I develop my worldview, by asking these bigger questions. And so today, you know, how does the vaccine fit into the general momentum of, of the coronaphobia crisis? I think that's 
is one of those bigger questions. Outstanding. All right. Uh, Sam Kokesh. (gasps) She misses everybody. She's uh, hanging out and enjoying. Don't be a state. It says, I'm hitting the trolling hard these days. Hashtag troll army strong. We already know that, dude. To the, to the Queen of Gardenia for joining us this morning. Beautiful to see there you. you <laughs> any any comments? Before we jump into this first block, any specific comments on uh, on on this bigger topic? Uh, no, not yet. Everybody was everybody's just been saying good morning to everybody. Everybody's still in morning <laughs> mode. Good Friday morning. Uh, everybody's what, happy it's Friday. I think so. That's good. What a beautiful community we have here with Adam versus the man. All right, let's jump right into it. CNBC.com. CNBC has this headline. Would you be willing to get a COVID vaccine in exchange for a $1,500 stimulus check? How one bold proposal would work. <laughs> now, I mean, I, I could rant for hours on just the problems with this headline. It is, as the snowflakes would say, problematic. Would you be willing to get a COVID vaccine? Now, first of all, this, this question of are, are you willing to, not like is it the right thing? Is it right for your health? Is it effective? Is it safe? $1,500. $1,500. You want $1,500? I got you $1,500. The thing is, that $1,500, where does that come from? Mommy, where does money come from? You know, and not enough people ask that question. It's an important thing for us as libertarians that, that we are, uh, unlike uh, conservatives, liberals, and, and mainstream people of mainstream political persuasions, uh, we are not in denial of, of the, the monetary system and what a racket the Federal Reserve is and the central banks and fiat currencies as a concept. But even even without understanding that, you got to understand, like, except for where government has stolen productive resources and is using them to produce stuff, government really doesn't produce anything. I mean, pain, suffering, heartache, frustration, ruined lives, you know, things like that. Yeah, they, they create, obviously. But does it, does it produce? Where does this money come from? Did, 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 you know, when they, when they crank up the you know, money machine, go burr. No, they don't, they don't go just creating value, they create claims to value when they create more money, when they print more money, when they borrow more money. What you have is more dollars in the system chasing the same goods and services. And so this is where you get price inflation. Prices go up. But that's not what inflation really is. Inflation, technically speaking, in nerdy economic terms, refers to the inflation of the monetary supply, the creation of more money. But what does that do? It creates a regressive tax. Yeah, as opposed to a a progressive income tax, right? Where it goes up, the more your income goes up, the more you get taxed. The inflation tax is regressive, and it hurts those on fixed incomes the most. So when they create this money, they know we're just going to work for enough money. We'll give everybody a $1,500 stimulus check. Oh, and and by the way, don't, don't, don't mention any mainstream media, don't mention that we, the government, are also going to give, I don't know, five or six times as much money to corporations and banks and, and, and all of our other special interests at the same time. But even without all of those more intricate features of our government economic monetary system, 
all you have to know is that they're bribing you with your own money to do something that is going to be bad for your health in order to come up with the excuse to pay off their sponsors. Remember, the purpose of government is to keep the rich getting richer and the rest of us relatively poor and at the expense of the rest of us. Not what they say the purpose of government is, the actual purpose of government. So in this story, Americans are eager for one time for more one-time stimulus checks. Hey, you know what? We've gotten a dozen of those one-time things. Can we get a, can we get another one of them? Yeah, okay. Well, it hasn't been that many. That would be nice, right? You know, if the government, I'm not I'm not saying don't take government money. This, by the way, this came up in the producers club chat. Uh, because someone was saying, you know, screw this. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to take any government money. And, and, and I appreciate the sort of inherent inclination of principle represented by that. But first of all, you're, what you're, you're, not, you're not taking government money. You're accepting some of your own money back that has been stolen from you. And even if it wasn't stolen from you because you, uh, you're, you're able of avoiding taxes, it was stolen from you and, and sales taxes and the inflation tax and all the fit, hidden fees, fines, and costs of government embedded in everyday life and your potential that's robbed from you by the regulation. So um, I, I'll actually uh, quote this. You know, uh, Someone in our producers club, oh, I won't name him for this one. I wouldn't take money from our government if they were giving it away for free. Fuck them. My response, wrong. You should take as much from government as you can up to the point where you are enabling or empowering them to take more. Any money you let them keep that they have to give you back to maintain credibility is money that they can use to hurt people. I don't want government to hurt people. I don't want to make their job any easier for them. And if they have to give you more money back from what they have stolen from you in order to keep their system going, excuse me, take it. Take as much as you can. Again, the limit being, you know, like, you don't, don't, I'm not saying bribe politicians and make government worse or bigger or more vicious or, or empower them to take more money. But, uh, yeah, take what you can. So, uh, now one proposal from former Congressman John Delaney aims to help both sides by providing stimulus checks in exchange for getting vaccinated. The goal to reach a 75% vaccination rate faster, which could save both lives and the U.S. economy. And and, and there's a a big part of the story that we covered yesterday in terms of what the government is going to do to to bully you into accepting these vaccines. And, uh, or vaccine, I don't know, maybe there's going to be a single one that they come down and promote. But uh, one of the stories we covered was Qantas Airlines, and you're not going to be able to fly. If you haven't had the vaccine, there's they're going to you can't go into a government building now. Oh yeah, of course you can deny the vaccine. You can no, you can exempt yourself, sure, but you know we're just we're not going to let you into these you know, our, our, our special privileged spaces. And you say, well, Adam, Qantas is a it's an airline, that's a corporation, that's a private company. Well, in this age of uh, fascism, the merging of corporations and the state, uh, a corporation that exists only because, or exists at least as it is, only because, well, I don't even say it exists only because, of government favors, corporatism, special privileges, and uh, bailouts, and then is responsive to that government in a way that uh, ignores basic economic principles because they would rather maintain those handouts 
then and, and those advantages then uh, serve their customers. Why do you, why do you find sucks? It's, hey, we're, and you go, well, we're capable of better. Anytime you see something like that in society, we go, you know, whether it's the, the coronavirus response or how we do family law or the drug war or airlines or anything else that's like a major pain in the ass in your life. Yeah, well, what's government's role? It'll usually explain it. So to the vaccine, the dynamics that we're facing now uh, are changing. The Hill.com, Pfizer chairman, we're not sure if someone can transmit virus after vaccination. Really? Really? Is this walking back expectations? Pfizer chairman Albert Bourla told Dateline host Lester Holt that the pharmaceutical company was not certain if the vaccine prevented the coronavirus from being transmitted, saying, this is something that needs to be examined. Yeah. In the primetime special titled, Race for a Vaccine, set to air Thursday, Holt questioned Bourla and other individuals involved in the development and distribution in November, Pfizer announced its vaccine candidate had been shown to be more than 90% effective at preventing COVID-19 and has applied for emergency use authorization from the FDA. So when you see this, like, well, are you able to trans... So this is the question directly. In a list of interview highlights released before the special, Holt asked Borla, quote, even though I've had the protection, am I still able to transmit it to other people? And Borla responded, I think this is something that needs to be examined. We are not certain about that right now with what we know. One of the bigger backdrop points that I would have to remind you of about corona is that the, again, one of those, well, what, what are we capable of? What are we actually accomplishing and why? We're accomplishing far less than we are capable of when it comes to the scientific understanding of this virus. We have so much data that is not being collated, uh, analyzed properly, shared freely because of government interference with the free flow of that information. So one of the things, you know, immunity, does, does this work like a normal virus? You know, and, and I, I think back to just, you know, bio 101, how do viruses work? Well, you get a virus, your immune system responds, and then that those antibodies are in your system. And if your body is exposed to that virus again, it immediately relatively meets those antibodies and is is not a threat to you. And the vaccines work by giving your body something, a a piece of uh, DNA, RNA from the virus that uh, causes the immune system to create the same antibodies without giving you the virus. But that often creates an immune response that leads to significant symptoms. And one of the stories, again, we've already covered this, where the cure is worse than the disease, not just in the policy, but the, the cure itself. And what we, uh, we, we've covered, and again, it, it is even here where I want to say this is something that, that fits my narrative. Here's, here's a fact that reinforces my worldview, you know, that, yeah, the, the vaccines could be really bad. I haven't seen numbers on that. They, they put out these stories and they leave out the numbers that allow you to put the things they want you to be afraid of in perspective. So does this work like a normal virus? Does this work like a normal vaccine when they're trying to say, well, we we don't know, or maybe not? It seems like a dog ate my homework kind of excuse. Uh-huh. Really? But that, that doesn't even, dog ate my homework doesn't even cover it because we're not talking about some child who wanted to play video games and, and fuck off with their schoolwork. No, we're talking about criminals in American industries and politics who have no problem 
lying, hiding information. Oh, we didn't. Oh, we didn't. We didn't figure that out yet. Oh, oh, that made us another ten million dollars. <laughs> Whoops. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So next headline is from the Daily Mail because I got I got to point out just how what you know, with the vaccines and the threats and the headlines today a lot of them are new record set deaths and hospitalizations highest ever and you go well and what well one of them was deaths set record again and it's that again part that you go well if it's if there's something that's just sort of like trending up and by the way one of the ways they count the statistics in in deception here is uh kind of guarantees that it always goes up where they count like cumulative cases you know, it's just guaranteed. They're just counting over time. Like, it's never, it, like, it's set up, it can't go down. Uh, it, can, it can only get to, to, to level. Um, but when, when there's a, a trend like that, and, and instead of going trend continues, you go, sets record again. Journalistic mm, credibility going down. But the effect of that propaganda is that governments can, it makes it easier for governments to bully people into compliance with vague threats of fines and shutdowns and businesses raided. And yeah, I, I mean, those stories, are, it's, it's almost like they're getting old. But this headline from the Daily Mail, California to be locked down for three weeks. Governor Gavin Newsom, yeah, the guy who went to a uh, dinner before Thanksgiving and a, a defiance of his own orders, I mean, one of the biggest hypocrites in the country right now. Announces, Governor Gavin Newsom announces a stay-at-home order for regions where ICU capacity falls below 15%, with most areas closing within days in the entire state by the end of the month. You know, part of what they're doing with this is really messing with the healthcare system. And, and, and I mean that not by, like, hey, the virus is, because it would be a strain, possibly. Eh. But when the government comes in and says, nah, you can't do any elective procedures, never mind that your facility is dependent on that, that money, uh, never mind that not getting those procedures in a lot of cases is going to aggravate pre-existing conditions and chronic health issues that uh, those patients are experiencing. And now those you know, non-emergency situations become emergency situations. And then they want to they dangle this threat. Oh, if you don't comply, we're going to take away your health care. How can they even say that? Now, they don't say it like that, right? <clears throat> that's, that's the hidden message. That's the implication. If you don't do what we say, well, the ICUs, the intensive care units, are going to be overwhelmed, and you're not going to be able to get treatment. Never mind hashtag film your hospital that exposes how most of this is nonsense. They, they've put a, a, a chokehold on our health care right now, and it is it just access to hospitals. We should all be... Uh, seriously concerned with this, going, yeah, there is a real threat here. And it's not the virus. It's our incompetent and or criminal leaders in government. Leaders. Uh, Governor, California Governor Gavin Newsom announced the new regional stay-at-home order Thursday will apply to any of California's five regions where available ICU capacity drops below 15%. Now, uh, just maybe in California... A little more socialism isn't even noticeable, another drop in the bucket. But I do have to point out the uh, nonviolent capitalist free market alternative here to the violent government uh, policy that we see before us and the obvious destructive impact of that. So 
Again, ICU capacity drops below 15%. I don't even have to deconstruct that phrase and understand it to say, well, why is the government jumping in? And instead of with health experts in their field determining policy, trying to determine in a blanket way across the board by government intervention. Why? I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Busy body exploitation, uh, serving the needs of their sponsors, special interests, et cetera, et cetera. But if we didn't have government determining this, you would have a natural balance struck in terms of how those resources are distributed and how that risk is managed by these healthcare facilities, by uh, by hospitals. And you wouldn't see government go, well, if it's 15%, now you have to do this. Really? And if you don't, it's not, it's not just a suggestion from government. If you don't, you go to jail. That's the violence. That's the coercion behind this. And again, it goes, I mean, it goes so much deeper, but I would hope that in this whole coronaphobia crisis, that that nature of government, that, that fundamentally evil, destructive nature of government is exposed or that people recognize it. None of the regions are at that threshold, but Newsom said four are expected to reach it in the next few days, just to make it a little more complicated. Announcement comes after state broke its record. For daily new cases on Wednesday with more than 20,000, a record 9,702 people are currently hospitalized across California. 2,147 are in intensive care. This leaves the state with fewer than 1,800 available beds. The bottom line is if we don't act now, our hospital system will be overwhelmed. <sighs> government has failed, so we need more government. I think I think that's sufficient for wrapping that story. Ugh. Our next one, this gets to, back to the vaccine. Back to the vaccine. WSJ.com, Wall Street Journal, Pfizer slashed its original COVID-19 vaccine rollout target after supply chain obstacles. And again, this is a, we'll take your health care away, sort of, you know, veiled threat behind all of this. Well, you know, we might, you know, if you don't, if you don't comply, if you don't give, if you don't support your government enough, we might not be able to give you this magical vaccine that's going to make all of this go away. Pharma Giant expects to ship half the doses it had originally planned after finding raw materials in early production didn't meet its standards. Oh, you see what's baked into this? We are so good. We are so safe. We have such high standards for what we would ask you to put in your body. We have to reject what we have today. But you know what? Because of that, you have to help us more, more subsidies, more kickbacks, more favors from government to Pfizer, which still expects to roll out more than a billion doses in 2021 as originally planned. They don't have to make sure it's safe or effective or that people want it. No, as long as government will force it on people. That's enough for Pfizer. Now, one last story, I suppose, to, well, a couple here that really we have to include in today's Corona block. Uh, and they are related uh, in, in many ways to this issue of the vaccine coming and going or coming and surging and pulling back and who knows how effective or safe or available it's going to be. CNBC, employment growth slows sharply in November amid coronavirus surge. 
you know, and there there are all these numbers that are obviously manipulated. Uh, non-farm payrolls increased by 245,000 in November, down from 610,000 in October. Total below the Wall Street estimate of 40, 440,000 unemployment decreased to 6.7% meeting expectations. But that unemployment number, you know that's bullshit. We've covered this before, right? That this is people currently seeking employment, that you fall off the rolls and are no longer counted if you give up. <laughs> there are a lot of people who have given up recently. Now, if you want to get morbid on giving up, the Washington Examiner has this headline. California 11-year-old kills himself during virtual class on Zoom as health experts warn depression is increasing amid lockdowns. And we covered yesterday, I'm going to repeat this until we get better numbers because this is our sort of leading data point uh, of the cure being worse than the disease from Japan. The headline yesterday was that more people died in one month from suicide than corona over the last 10 months. Yeah, so an 11-year-old boy in California shot and killed himself during a virtual class this week. Local authorities confirmed that the boy shot himself when his camera and microphone were off during a virtual class on Zoom in San Joaquin County on Wednesday. His sister, who was also at home learning remotely, found him and alerted a neighbor and her teacher. Authorities found the boy with a head injury and took him to the hospital where he later died. Now, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, make this a sensationalist point because if you see this in, in isolation and, you know, why is the mainstream media giving us this story? Oh, well, we need more! More power for government to prevent this. We need more health, mental health experts on, on the government payroll so that we can we can manage this whole, uh, you know, school from home situation that we're, we're forced to be in because of corona. But I, I read a story like this and I go, well, what's the bigger picture? You know, let's, and I don't even want to, like, this, this could be an isolated incident. I, I kind of know that it isn't. Not that there are, that there's a wave of, you know, child suicides right now, uh, but it is up. Uh, and, and there are a lot of factors contributing to this, the stress and uncertainty that we are subjecting children to today is unprecedented. And yes, there is going to be an effect. And I, I hope that this calls for two things, really, or leads people to, to two bigger conclusions. One, that this system is that what we're doing to our kids now is inhumane. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it, it might not be worse than uh, sending kids to government-run schools, but allowing the government into our homes to uh, miseducate our children is creating a whole other layer of mental strain that needs to be examined. So I, I hope that, if anything, we look at this and we go, you know what, we, we really need to, uh, to, to, to start listening to our children and, and, and looking at these consequences beyond the fear that the mainstream media would want us to uh, take as the lens through which we see all of these things. Finally, to wrap up our COVID block, this headline from NBC News, or yeah, NBC News, is on Facebook, where it was shared to us in our producers club. Facebook bans false claims about COVID-19 vaccine. Facebook says it will remove false claims about COVID-19 vaccines that have been debunked by public health experts following a similar announcement by YouTube in October. This is what your dystopia looks like, people. You might not notice, 
if you're not ready to see it, if you if you fall for this thin veil that they have put on top of their bullshit. Facebook bans false claims about COVID-19 vaccines. Again, just the headline. I could I could I, I could rant about that. I could pick it apart for hours. But let's try to get to the heart of this. What's a false claim? Who is it? Who is the arbiter of truth here? False claims about COVID-19 vaccines could be said to be constantly perpetuated by the mainstream media when they contradict each other from day to day. They're not going to ban that. That's not what they're talking about. Debunked by public health experts. Now, there's a lot more to this. Again, followed following a similar announcement by YouTube in October. This is why we're not broadcasting on the old Adam versus the Man YouTube channel slash Adam Kokesh because we've got strikes now and we've been banned simply for challenging the mainstream narrative of COVID. But even worse than that, if you if you point out that there are contradictions, you are inherently showing something that is a false claim. You know, which which public health experts? Remember, YouTube's policy was World Health or if, if anything that challenges or questions the efficacy of the World Health Organization or local health authorities. Local health authorities are constantly changing their positions on what is an appropriate response. It's a patchwork of policy across the United States, let alone the entire world. But you just, it, what, what's, what this is really saying here, you can't question the authorities. You can't challenge the authorities. Unless you are one. We go, oh, yeah, you're, you're special. You're, you're approved. Freedom of speech for thee, but not for the rest of the peons. And there is a sharp increase in statism that we've experienced around corona. And and behind that, a sharp increase in fear of a lot of things. But mostly, of course, a virus that we should not be afraid of. Again, a virus that we should not be afraid of. That we should not allow to be used to manipulate us through fear into supporting these policies blindly. And it seems like what they're doing now is is throwing sand in your eyes. Oh, no, you can't even see what's going on. Close your eyes and just listen to the experts. Well, I think in times like this, it's all the more important that we think for ourselves, that we educate ourselves, that we read between the lines, that we uh, be careful about who we trust. And you can't trust anybody who is deliberately hiding information from you that you deserve, that is is being hidden from you in order to take advantage of you. I hope we can face up to that. I hope we learn from this crisis. I hope America comes out stronger with more positive momentum, but it's only going to happen if, if we are able to get past this smoke screen, stay grounded in reality, and ensure that we the people are the ones as opposed to the authorities, the establishment, writing the history of COVID so that we don't forget all of the crimes, lies, misdirections, and all the other criminality of the last year around COVID. All right, let's see. what That's it for COVID headlines. Yeah, we got it out of the way. After we get to some callers and some comments, we got some good news. We had some fun technology stuff. Lab-grown chicken burgers. Yeah, that's a thing. 
Jim, what do we got for comments so far? I mean, that's, that, that's the big – we got a few political things. Uh, we, we got some scary police states. No, 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 no. Get that off the screen. We're not trying to get into that. I'm just teasing ahead. <laughs> I'm back to my radio roots here as we're, you know, watching the format with Adam versus the man. Uh, <clears throat> Jim, what do you got? How's that going? Well, let's see. Loki 209 is going to be, he said, I'm just going to smoke a fat joint and watch everyone else get vaccinated. That's, uh, that's yeah. pretty close to what I'll be doing probably, just watching. Yeah. My question my question to everybody is going to be, like the people that get vaccinated, it's always been my question. If your vaccination makes you safe, why do you why care do what you I care do? Why do you care about everybody else? Why do you care what I do? Why do you? Why do I need to show that I've been vaccinated and I'm safe? What do you care if I'm safe or not? If your vaccination well, made you Jim, safe, and if Jim. your vaccination didn't make you safe, go home and think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Jim, it's sort of made us safe. I mean, it's it's only ninety percent effective, and so help me with that other ten percent by you getting the vaccine too. You see, there's this. Just this uncertainty, this bullshit that they can work to that narrative by every angle where if you, if you don't jump in, if you don't sacrifice your health for the herd, you're the asshole. Hmm. Okay. I'd rather not lower my own 99.97% immunity <laughs> yeah, right. for a 90%. So yeah, uh, uh, I, like, I know other last... people like living dangerously, but yeah. I'll, be, I'll play this one safe. Uh, about that last comment, to – like, there's really critical takeaway, or two things I, I got to include with this uh, discussion. One, it, it does look like federal employees are going to be the first ones to get the vaccine. That's federal cool employees, and I have to say healthcare workers, unfortunately, too, might be among, excuse me, among the first groups. But if federal employees are the guinea pigs for this, Okay, you know, I mean, I hate to say, like, yeah, if anybody deserves it, it's you. But um, the the other, the, the ultimate practical takeaway, and I, I want to say this is the critical practical advice for our audience: uh, don't don't if, even if you think the vaccine is the right thing for you for whatever reason, don't be in the first wave. There's no there's no there's no there's no urgency to this. The uh, we don't know the consequences. We don't know the long-term health impacts of the vaccine, and uh, you might be exposing yourself to a risk unnecessarily with this. CJ, yeah, I I just had to throw in my two cents on this one because I think it's uh, very relevant. Uh, we both know. Well, I think we should all be aware at this point that the um, uh, the government's going to use the military as it's guinea pig for COVID. They're just going to say, hey, you want to sign up to go to boot camp? Uh, guess what? You're going to get the COVID vaccination, and they're going to stick you in platoons, and they're going to do experiments on you and have fun with that. So, uh, yeah. Um, there will, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's a real thing. So I think that they already I'll, know. I'll that. also suggest this. I'll also suggest that at least some – with the federal employees that are going to be getting the vaccination first, I'll bet you there's some of them. I wouldn't be surprised, I'll say, if they didn't just take saline shots and say, you know, hey, I'm vaccinated. You should, too. You know what I mean? Because they know better, and they want us to do it, not, you know, them. 
They're, they constantly, they know the real truth. They know it's not an actual threat. It's why they're not following their own rules and everything. They know the vaccine's not even necessary. They're probably not going to take it. They want to put up the show, though. So they'll put a needle in their arm with some water and say, you too. Hashtag which you leads, too. <laughs> which leads me to, uh, I think, an interesting prediction here that if the vaccine policy direction continues where it's going, at some point there's going to be a market for fake vaccine certifications. Or you go into you go into a room and the doc like what if it gets so bad that that the doc and this is going to really confuse things. You go into the room and yeah. the doctor said, "Do you want me to put this needle in your arm or squirt it onto the floor?" And I'm going to say, "Put it on the floor. Give me that certificate." That'd be interesting. If I hear doctors are starting to do that, I may I may selectively choose to try to visit that doctor and see what happens. Well, they're, they're, the other thing is, with this vaccine, now they are, with the pressure behind this vaccine, they are imposing a new dilemma on a lot of doctors and patients for whom uh, the side effects of the vaccine represent a significant health threat. You know, and it, it, it's probably going to be a bigger percentage than people for whom COVID represents an actual threat, you know, with a what, you know, 1% right. death rate. I don't, we're not even talking about death rate anymore. It's like uh, the manipulation of the statistics is, is uh, it is overwhelming. And, you know, I, I hope that what we're able to do with this conversation is kind of uh, cut through it. Anything else on vaccines, guys, or, or comments on this? Because I, I we do have, I forgot, we have one other critical caller coming in early on the show. We have Mercedes joining us for an update on the cannabis debate currently happening in the U.S. House of Representatives of all places. Federal cannabis debate. Yeah, that'll be a good yeah. one. Uh, nothing left on vaccines, but just a couple of quick ones. We got Joey Lee, our friend G.I. Mary Jane, checking in. Good morning from Slab City. Feeling so many levels of hashtag freedom out here. She loves the Slab City. I've never been there myself, but I've heard a lot about it from uh, her and Nomad Mac and uh, – uh, the the people the few people we've known from there so I'm gonna check it out one of these days. What's the, what's Slab City's COVID policy? Are they are they mandating masks there? That's a bad joke. I you know, highly City, doubt. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like that's like asking what's the COVID policy of the uh, BLM riot over there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah it, it, Slab City. I do want to go visit and Jim. You know, and it's kind of on. On uh, maybe maybe you want to call it an Adam versus the man bucket list, but one of these days we get more organized here. Uh, hopefully, you and I can do a field trip and maybe do a show from Slab City. That'd be awesome. Now, for those of you who don't know, look up Slab City if you're curious. It's a cool off-grid, uh, independent community in the uh, Southern California desert. Yep. Well, hey, I do have one more thing on the COVID because uh, we might as well just get it out. That Dateline NBC story. Uh, the the before and after when it starts with uh, like they're starting like this and they do this whole run. I mean, if you listen to the music in this, I'm not gonna play it, but it's pretty like heartbreaking and tragic. And Lester Holt is like all deep and somber. Yeah. They do the before and then the after, and it makes you go like, well, I mean, do, do, I mean, this is the imagery that they that they're projecting. This is what they're creating. It, this is, I mean, the definition of government-run health care. I mean, this is the government saying your town shut down if your ICU is 
at 15% or higher. Like, this is this is socialism. It's not state-up communism. Like, like, America will never be a socialist country. We'll skip that and go right to communism. Like, <laughs> But CJ, but CJ, a socialist medicine. Trump, Everybody Trump, get inside. Trump, Trump said America will never be a socialist country. Yeah, fucking whatever. But anyways, I'd rather talk about a chicken burger. All right, well, let's get to our first caller. Is, is Mercedes there? We have an update from our debate manager, Mercedes Dabritowski, calling in from Nebraska, who Hi. is watching C-SPAN Live so that I don't have to and you don't have to. But uh, according and to I Mercedes, enjoy this. I, this is my – I'm in my – I'm in such a good mood because I enjoy when they're in session because then I get to watch what they're doing. And then I know first – I'm at the top of the news if I'm watching them live, so you're hearing it from me. I shared this. this I got on CSIN this morning because I'm like, they're, they're back in session right now because of COVID, and they're doing all those things. So I'm going to check the old CSIN, see what's live today, and they're like, what, yeah, what is the U.S. House up to today? Uh, here we go. Okay, so it's the federal decriminalization of marijuana, and it expunges nonviolent records and regulates and taxes cannabis sales. So it started earlier this morning, like bright and early, because, you know, I'm in Central Standard Time Zone. I get up at, like, before the sun, whenever that is. Um, And uh, so they've been doing it all day. They've been debating. There were some really good debates for it because, you know, marijuana laws are historically racist. As a Mexican woman, let me tell you how the marijuana laws and drug laws and the drug wars have personally affected me because they have an excuse to use to make us criminals through prohibition. It's it's multi-generational. So this bill, the arguments for it were just normal arguments of why this is evil. Um, And in the bill, there's a lot of uh, like criminal justice kind of reform and just little ins and outs. I haven't had a chance to even look at the bill because I didn't know it existed because I knew since the UN had decided to decriminalize it, that something was going to happen. I just didn't know what. So the arguments against Arizona, you got some senators or representatives. Yes. Yes. That's very appropriate right now. So Arizona, you, Adam, you have some representatives in your area that are just very anti-pot. They're just super like weed is bad, grr. It well, makes people we violent. Just, we grr. just went we just went recreational. And that's Arizona. what another fuck and them. another senator said. You and your district, madam representative, I'm not gonna say. I can't remember her name anyway. I, it's all on my Facebook. I was live I was live streaming I'm like, this is what's going on right now. This is juicy. Uh she's like what did she say? She wanted to keep it illegal and bow tie guy is what I call him. His bow tie was Vermin Supreme, I'm sorry, but you have some competition because his bow tie was fly. Sorry. Uh, so he was like, 60% of your constituents overwhelmingly voted in support of marijuana. And you're sitting here telling me that this is bad? Like, your constituents already spoke, lady. Like, you don't get an opinion anymore. You, you, you're you not listening at this point. And it was very heartening to see elected officials actually saying, y'all are racist. It, like actually say y'all are racist and this is a racist law and we're gonna we gotta change it for our people. The number one deflection to because the GOP likes to employ debate tactics which are re- related in 
Sorry, they're talking. Um, they're, they're still yeah, like, like, uh, why are we debating decriminalization of marijuana when we have COVID problems? Okay, why did you just nix the COVID package? Not that I'm for any of this government spending as a principled libertarian. None of this is sitting kosher with me because they're talking about money and taxes and regulation, which is why I'm going to give props where prop is due. Adrian Smith of Nebraska, my representative, got up when he was ready to speak, and he didn't say anything about marijuana. He said, hey, the taxes and regulations aren't actually doing anything for decriminalization. Well, hold on, Mercedes, Mercedes, before we get on to the pro side of this. Oh, yeah. No, taxes. Yeah, well, well I, I, I want to examine – you know, some, some of the opposition to this, because it, it, it's interesting, like you point out, some of our reps in Arizona are oh still taking God. the anti-pot position, despite our state having just voted overwhelmingly to go recreational this year. And, right? Uh, they're just trying to fight it still. They know they're losing and they're going down with the ship. Well, hold, hold on. Hold on just a second. Uh, I, I There are some representatives out there, there, there and, and there is a significant part of America that actually still believes in the drug war. It's a, it's a minority, but considering that the party system that we have works to pre-select people who are inherently on board with a yeah, coronavirus statist authoritarian yeah. narrative. And that's what it was. There it's was... Not, it was weird. The Democrats are presenting libertarian arguments, and their GOP or the statist, we want more government arguments. It is but, but hold very on. weird to watch. Mercedes, I want to ask you a slightly more pointed question about these representatives who are taking the pro or, or you know, pro prohibition, the anti cannabis position yeah. in this debate. Because when I think about like some of the reps in Arizona, where uh, you know, maybe their district didn't vote that way. Uh, maybe it did. But it, it, what, when a politician takes a stand against something that their constituents want like this, it's because they believe, this is the, the, the crude political calculus, is if I take this anti-cannabis position, I am going to get enough money in campaign contributions from those who have an interest in this policy, uh, it's going to be enough. I'm going to get enough money to beat the competition politically, to buy negative campaign ads, to, to, to whatever it is, to manipulate the process. That's going to outweigh this. Mm-hmm. Or I'm getting some bribe and I'm out of here. I'm retiring or, or whatever the case may be. There, there, there are other considerations. Or they that. lost their election and now they're going out with thick into their party principles. I don't know because I didn't listen sure. to people talking. But then the, the other – Right. So then the, 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 what, I'm, what I'm hoping, though, comes out of this is some major discrediting of that's, bullshit artists. That's what because, it looks like. What, what's, aside from just you can say with a straight face, hey, let's not talk about cannabis right now. Can we focus on COVID? And that was the deflection. That was the counter But in and of itself, that's not a discrediting point. But if yeah. you come out and say, Cannabis rots your brain and is bad for your health and is going to make, make you fat and lazy and stuck on the couch. It makes you violent. And it it creates good. crime and poverty. Sorry if drugs are legal, legal you're going to be poor and in jail. It's, it's going to make black and Mexican men want white women. You know, uh, th- th- There's got to be some silly anti-factual, <laughs> anti-science statements being made on the house floor oh. right now. 
As a Nebraskan who still has it illegal here, let me just say, these are the arguments I've been fighting all year during my own campaign, so. Do we get a highlight reel when this is over of every politician who we need to know to make sure it doesn't get reelected? I have what I call an EU list. (laughs) It's an EU. Uh, Like Representative Jordan from Ohio. He's on the EU list. He's EWI. He's not. I don't like him. No. All right, so so, but, uh, so right my... now the vote is uh, 222 yay and 163 nay with 46 votes that have not voted yet. So, so... Now just, just this is about that in context because we still got to go to the Senate, still got to mm-hmm. get signed by the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're saying it's looking like overwhelmingly the U.S. House of Representatives is essentially passing national cannabis decriminalization. Yes. Yeah. That expunges nonviolent records. But right, I hold, have on. Before, before, hold on, yes. before we get to the bill, we're finishing up the negative side of this. Ugh, I don't want Does to. Does Donald Trump have anything to say about it? Uh, Give me all your money? I don't know. No, I, oh, seriously, has, has he or the administration know. weighed in on this debate recently? I what was the last thing Trump had to say about cannabis? Seen, let me go check his Twitter right now, actually. Yeah. Let's go oh, stalk the president on Twitter. Um, but another debate point, though, uh, and about the bill that's negative, positive, negative. Our representative here was like, hey, this taxes this area now. This over-regulates this area now. This is shifting the burden of criminality into the industry now because you're over-regulating. Um, and I was like, God, I can't even argue that because it's true. And then I remembered, Remember how there's a coin shortage in America and there's just paper money and the Federal Reserve is like, we don't know where all the money is. Like, it's just gone. It vanished. If you've ever been to a dispensary, you know it's cash only because it's still federally illegal. So any money you use is technically black market still. So all of that cash is now in reserve within the marijuana industry. So it shifted the power of the reserve from the U.S. government to the marijuana industry. The marijuana industry is worth how much money? And that's all that's all physical U.S. dollars and currency. They're funding their own banks and, and yeah, no, private it, towns. It's, it's they privatized the, it. They decentralized the U.S. Right, right. system. Just quick historical background <laughs> on that. One of, one of the ways that the cannabis industry has been resisted by the establishment is denying them access to the banking system. Mm-hmm. So what happens yeah. when you have a rebellion and they're like, we'll take your money, we'll spend this cash but on you, local infrastructure, and we're going to be volunteers about it because we're high and happy, so we're going to fix the roads without the government, and we're going to have our own banking system without the government, and unless you come and raid us like you've been doing, you're not going to get this money back unless you do what you we want and you legalize it like it should be. So the power shift finally happened in the dynamics of the currency in America. And that brain nugget occurred on me because I talked to my grandpa earlier. They're actually at the beginning of the show. And he was like, yeah, money's talking finally. I'm like, God damn, Bob, you're right. Vietnam vet who is not. Um, yes, yes, yes. I am. I actually smoked weed with my grandparents once, full stop. It was the greatest moment of my life. I didn't know Grandpa would, would even smoke weed. <laughs> it was you know, one of the most dangerous <laughs> side effects of cannabis is that it allows you to see the future. It I have does. To say, I predicted a lot of this. I think yeah. I mean, I've, I've, this is it's very vindicating. I've, yep. to, to, to it's almost like we're not crazy. 
The people on drugs are winning the war on drugs. It's a good rather, Friday. I just say, I just, and I, I want to point this out as, as long as I'm, you know, broken pot on the air and, and we're, we're celebrating this, to, to just my bigger perspective on drugs in general is not that I am pro-drug or anti-drug. I'm 100% against any kind of coercion as a libertarian, so anti-violence, anti-prohibition. But what I am for is conscientious drug use, not based on addiction or law or external incentives, but what actually makes your life better. And we all do drugs. The very, I mean, oh, I've never – caffeine, alcohol, nicotine, hey, look, it's water. Hey, drug. I don't want to be silly about it. But we all it's do okay. things to affect our brain chemistry. Let's step up and do it conscientiously in an empowering way. And this is so exciting as a time to be alive where the human experience is accelerating yep. and understanding of our brains and, and how to manipulate them to, and improve them and use them better is a really exciting part of this. And, and in a way, I, I, cannabis is kind of like old school already, you know, when you have like DMT vape pens and, you know, they, they, where this is going. And just to jump ahead real quick for a crazy sidebar, Adam's sci-fi indulgence, because it's the sci-fi becoming reality. You're going to have, uh, you might, you might have uh, a device on your body attached to your skin, maybe a little, you know, square that, you know, maintains your ideal body chemistry and is continuously 3D printing a stream of the exact vitamins and nutrients and drugs that you need into your system that you can dial in however you want. Like, that's where this is going. And in that sense, you know, a little bong and some flowers is, is really pretty old school and silly to oppose uh, in this, this, this brave new world, I say that in a positive way here, on the horizon, oh oh, but we, for it to be uh, not that dystopia, we have to have <sighs> these critical moments of progress and keep celebrating and pushing. So, Mercedes, to the positive here and to the narrative of this legislation first, uh, what is the legislation exactly? You know, I'm not sure. I haven't <laughs> found the bill yet. It's H.R. 3884. Uh, I need to go back. I need to go and look for real because I know there are going to be little okay. things. What, 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 are the, what, are the, what are the critical bullet points in policy change here? They're expunging nonviolent records and regulating okay. and taxing sales. And because of the decriminalizing on the federal level, that means that it's they, we can't get in trouble. So Ted Danson with a comment adds here, it ends policing for profit. I yeah. The big caveat there. No, it doesn't. Uh, no, it ends policing for profit around cannabis in certain ways. Yes. Policing for profit yes. is a much bigger racket than this. But uh, yes. unlawful searches and seizures and civil assets. They can't say it smells right. like pot. I'm going to search your car and destroy it. They have no probable yeah. cause now. It takes away that probable cause. Now, there may still be states after this that have cannabis laws on the books where it would be enforced. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Nebraska. Actually, well, Nebraska. I know of, I know of, but here's the thing. Texas. Yeah, here's the thing, no. though. In Nebraska, there are counties that their police force are not enforcing the law. You know, well, well, what, so. what, one more personal note I got I to gotta interject here. Uh, aside from 
as, as you all know, how exciting this is for uh, the potential for the veterans community. And, they use uh, veterans as an argument. They're like, do you know how good this is for the veterans? You use them and you destroy them. And then you're yes. like, fuck you guys. You have to take yes. pills and be addicted. Yes. That was the yes. argument. And I'm like, oh, you right. Yes. Use us, use us as a battering I, ram I almost, against those irrational people, statists who – who need that appeal to authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the troops want it. Okay, fine. Speaking Go, of... Uh, yeah. Well, hold on, Mercedes, Mercedes. Before we move on, I have to share this one other personal note. Uh, a lot of people know, I know you know my part of my backstory, you know, the day I announced my presidential campaign in the last cycle, I got pulled over twice in an hour, arrested, searched illegally, ended up in, <laughs> in jail funny. for... Yeah, no, it's hilarious. It was always hilarious. Uh, tragically at points, but always hilarious. Uh, but no, I ended up doing 10 days in jail in Texas and faced four felonies and a misdemeanor and beat them all down with the religious uh, defense to uh, $180 fine, basically. Uh, there's, there's a little more detail to it than that, but I'm not facing felonies. Long but story I, short. For so, and and I, I don't know if I if – I, I don't have a lawyer. I'm defending myself in this one. I have lawyers in other cases representing me, but this one I, I wanted to handle myself. Uh, my lawyer might tell me not to say this if I had one, but uh, – Right now, there is a warrant for my arrest in Texas for a failure to appear for a cannabis misdemeanor charge that was a part of this that I think, I'll say for the record publicly, is due to their clerical error because this was all supposed to be handled together with the last uh, round of, of bullshit I dealt with in, in Texas. But now I'm like, I'm like, oh, really? You got a cannabis charge? Fuck you. I'm going to stall until this shit's legal, and then what? And now in all these states, even if they can't come after you, they are going to, I hate to say it like this, but they're just going to look so silly. Like, your, it's not federal law that your state is defined to be legal. It's federal law that your state is contradicting to make pot illegal. Yeah, uh, I'm in Nebraska, so <laughs> I, that's my only argument for the it, pot being illegal anywhere right now is that I'm in one of three states that didn't vote for it and use money to take it off the ballot. No, no. One, one thing I would have to point out and understanding to remember that you know that this is this might be a big shift, but it's still incremental in its nature in the sense that it doesn't go take any it, 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 it's a, it's a single step at a time still. This is a big one, but when they say expunge all records, for example, nonviolent, I, I, hmm? nonviolent. You got to put that in oh, there. Right, no, no, very well, all cannabis possession, not anything to do with cannabis. But uh, it's probably only going to be federal records. I think that's I'm, I'm making that assumption. It's very safe. It's a federal. The U.S. House is not going to be able to pass a law that tells state how. No, no, absolutely not. This does not dictate what happens on the state level at all. But it guides the states in which are holding out still and how they can change their laws. Because Nebraska is notorious because we're the unicameral to do the least amount of work in government as possible, which is good. <laughs> We have a part-time legislature. I'm great with that, okay? We pay our senators $12,000 a year. That's it. That's still too much, but okay. I, I agree, but that's like, okay, <laughs> you know, uh, compared to the rest of the country, we're doing great. Um, so we follow Fed regulations. We have legal hemp production because the federal government passed the farm bill. So, like, states like mine, where, where we are dependent on the Fed, oh, fuck, hate, fuck the state. Um, <laughs> this is great for me. This is great for me because the only reason why we didn't get to vote on marijuana legalization is because money here spoke and outweighed our opinion because legal laws and bullshit, you know, government. 
That's all it is. It's the government's fault. And so this is great for me. I like this. I'm very happy. This is a great Friday. It's a great way to end the week. I'm just, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And it's 227 to 164 with 40 votes left. All right. With one independent. Who is the independent? Amash? Is it Amash? Are they listing him as as a libertarian or an independent? It says independent. So if he's the only non-Democrat or Republican, then it's him. Right. That's and fuck that libertarian out of the record if that's what they. That was my first thought when I saw the one. I'm like, it's Justin Amash, and they didn't get him his political party name. That is censorship in lifetime to political elected officials. They did it to Laura Epke, and they did it to Justin Amash. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not. I don't. I used to put more time into following the nonsense. I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone said, oh, no, we have an independent member from this town, oh, whatever, but I don't know of any. Uh, yeah, so I, they're probably they're, they're uh, yeah, just suppressing libertarianism again, no yeah. big deal, while they, while they move policy radically in our direction. So, Mercedes, just to, to wrap this up, where is it going with uh, the Senate vote that would come after this? Yeah, uh, timing so wise, just through the House and Senate, and that's I, how I bills assume, are made. Well, right. No, I, I assume uh, it would still pass there, although maybe with a narrower margin, uh, and that it would go to the, the question. Then is would it go to Trump or Biden? Well, it has to be signed into law by the president, so whoever's sworn in at that time gets to sign it into law or veto it. So and then, is, and then mean, it'll have to go back and be overturned by two thirds majority. Right, right. So do you have? So first of all, do you have any sense of the timing? No, nope, that this is, would get through the Senate. Um, considering that today's debate went fairly well, and that this vote's going fairly quickly, um, no, I have no idea. It's Friday, and they did say no matter how long it takes, whether we're defunded or not, we're not being, we're not leaving here until we do the things we need to do. So I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll we'll find out, and I'll let you know. Right. No, that's, that's fair, and and I don't think any analyst could say for certain about the timing of this because it is a big bill with major economic implications. A lot of special interests have uh, their tentacles uh, you know, reaching out to members of Congress and said, Well, right Bye. now, right now, there's I I would well, I would have to there's a huge effort to lobby senators to defeat this. Now, wh- now, what do you, th- if, if this goes through quickly, like, I mean, it could, Congress, if they want, can get this to the Senate today, and the Senate can vote on it tomorrow, and, well, not tomorrow, I guess if they're not in session, they wouldn't, they wouldn't call, spe- they could call a special session, they really, really wanted to for this, but uh, they, could have it, uh, you know, on the it's, it, today's Friday. Uh, I don't know if, if Senate is scheduled for Tuesday next week, but you know, easily administratively, they could have it on the president's desk within a week. Uh, they could even have separate bills and have them reconciled as as, as their uh, process. Where the, if the House and Senate vote for slightly different versions because of the amendment process on the same bill, um, but it would would Trump sign this. Uh, maybe. I mean, probably. He likes weed, right? Sorry. CJ put me full screen and I, I ran away. Uh, so this is Nemesis. Uh, 
she's a, the unofficial libertarian puppy. Hi, for the outright libertarians. And uh, Spike Cohen's god puppy. Yes, yes, he wanted to steal my dog. Um, I don't know. I, I would assume whoever is president. Uh, I think I don't want to say Biden wouldn't sign it into law if we waited for him to be the president, you know, in late January, if that's how long this is going to take. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I have, I have no clue what the government's going to do. Um, so we have a guest or a caller. All right. Well, yeah. All right. I know. We, okay, we have another caller on the line. Yeah. Mercedes. And I, I, think, I, I, I like him because he is also a veteran and also an activist and also I super think, cool. Hey, I gotta go. Call on me. What? <laughs> what? You know, lots of accolades here. How about that? Well, Mercedes, I think like uh, a, a, a mainstream TV network on election night, we can call at least. The House vote on cannabis yeah. in favor of cannabis. Yes, it's it's still 227 to 164 with 40 left. But technically, there's no time remaining either. So technically, technically, uh, 94, 90. Um, even, okay, so with 34 Republican votes out still and five Democratic, I think even with the 34 added to the 164, that passes no matter what. But I don't know how to do math quickly in my head right now because I've had <laughs> I've had this much coffee today. Okay. And uh, it's Friday. <laughs> so I uh you know, YOLO. I'm gonna go do things today that are in the real world. <gasps> oh they're they're announcing it right now. All right. Hold Live on. on Adam versus Hold the on. Man. Hold on. The US House votes for cannabis legalization. We're calling it it's on the table. What's happening now? Here, I shared the screen. I don't know what's going on. Oh, oh. this is great. I love okay, it. Maybe it's, I'm just kind of, oh, Nemesis wants to join the feed. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think anything's going to happen, though. I think I missed it. So I'm going to stop sharing that, and then I'm going to, like, go away now. Is that how this is going to work? Sure. Thank okay. you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Our virtual <laughs> D.C. correspondent, Mercedes Damertowski. From Nebraska. From Nebraska. The middle of nowhere. Crank capital of the world. Yes. For sharing this historic moment with us. Is Cash back on the line? All right. Welcome back, brother. You got something that you've been following us? Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, I was uh, caught the last little bit of that. You were talking about the uh, House floor vote, right, for cannabis legalization. That's a big deal. Or as Biden would say, a big fucking deal. That's a big deal. deal. <laughs> a big fucking deal, man. <laughs> You're a big fucking deal. <laughs> so what's on your mind this morning, brother? Well, you know what? I was actually, um, I was kind of tuned in. We were talking about what was happening down there in Georgia. And I was I was watching one of the video clips of them showing there at the, where they were counting these ballots. Where and a volunteer there, I believe, had placed uh, this long table there out in the middle. She placed it there and then, I guess at some point, proceeded to place briefcases, which apparently contained ballots, underneath this table. Um, and But at some point in time uh, in all of this, there's apparently a, a, a large sewage leak. and And so... 
they tell people they have to uh, vacate the building, and, but the only ones who vacate that they make leave are Republican poll watchers. Um, and then they proceed, after they get them out of there, they proceed to pull out uh, suitcases of what apparently are suitcases filled with ballots. And so I was just really discussing that that uh, if, if this, in fact, is on video in one place, in one single location, we happen to get this on camera, knowing what I know about human beings, it's unlikely, it's highly unlikely that this is an isolated incident. And more than likely, there's a lot more of this. And I think that as a nation, the only way to ensure that um, we have a fair uh, election is we, can, we need a do-over. But I think that we need a do-over with every candidate that was on the ballot uh, being in televised debates. That's what I think. I think we need to go back to that to that day, televised debates, get every candidate that was on the ballot into the televised debates. And I think that they should all, uh, and maybe do a process of elimination, um, and we should hold a brand new, brand spanking new election. I think we should start over. Well, Cash, I, I, I want to examine a, a lot of what you just said here. And it, it sounded at first like you were kind of getting caught up in this, well, the Democrats are stealing it for Biden from Trump. You're not trying to, like, feed into that narrative, are you? No, I wasn't, uh, because we don't know. I don't know enough about it. I don't know uh, uh, who those people were. Uh, I don't know, were they hired? Were they volunteers? I don't know enough about it. What I'm saying is that is that I think we have a responsibility to the American people to ensure the integrity of the voting process. And if there's one example of this, the likelihood of there being more is probably pretty high. So would it would it do us any harm to hit the pause button for a moment, go back and, and see, do any of these other facilities have uh, any video recording capabilities and equipment? Is there security footage reviewed? How does that work? I've never, I've never asked these questions, Adam. About you, just kind of assume yeah. that the people that are running the process that there's some, there's some sort of um, uh, security measures in place there. And clearly, well, I mean, if, if they can, if they can get in and haul out uh, briefcases of potential ballots, I don't know, man. I, it, it makes me wonder. Did the American people? And you know as well as I do, we're already getting a raw deal, right? We already know that it's rigged. This, we're regurgitating this to people who already know know this part, right? I'm saying for the average person out there who they don't subscribe to the same beliefs we do about how the system's already rigged against third parties and independents and the like. They don't understand those ballot access laws. But this is something that the average person can digest and go, yeah, that's that's wrong. I mean, if there's some indisputable evidence that... That, that gets brought to the public here, I think we've got an obligation to, to hit the reset button. Well, first of all, I mean, I, <clears throat> I mean I'm mean, i 100% with you that that would be a good thing, that if we could snap our fingers and say, use this as an excuse to go, no, re-vote it, take it, do it all over, and this time let Jorgensen in the debates. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't want to want you to get the idea that I'm opposing that at all, but with a lot of that, there's something about, what you said there that reeks of statism, and maybe it's because you're creating this message to people <laughs> existing assumptions about government, and instead of challenging the premise, no, I, I would like to, I would like this in the first place, right? So I, I have this, I, I have this know, long I, I Socratic dialogue already <laughs> planned in my head for you right now to pick this apart and be like, 
Do you, you really think and, and go with and and what I but I'll, well, I'll start I'll spare start large surface and work your way down. Well, yeah, start large like, surface and work your way down because we, yes. we got to make sure that number one, there's no miscommunication here or, or, or no uh, misunderstanding about my position. So I got to know right. first what is it that is anything statist about? Uh, is it is it because of the election process itself that I said to redo that? What's the you got to start right there and then work your way down. Well, let me to digest it all, right? First, to get to the meat and potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you, you interview me then. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, one thing about this is, (laughs) you're saying, you know, for our criminal government, which is really, I think we would agree, fundamentally criminal, not just infiltrated or there's some baggage. Like, fundamentally, conceptually, it's a criminal government, right? right? Uh, Agreed. Agreed. I would agree. And... uh, and, and what you're saying is, you know, when we're picking our criminal leaders of our criminal government, we should have a crime-free process <laughs> to determine who those leaders are. You go, wait, wait, but you're mm, – I think you're missing something okay, so there, buddy. All right. Well, you would have to proceed – you would have to proceed, I guess, with um, your position on our – because of course you ran on a platform of abolishment, right? Uh, complete and total abolishment. Well, actually, actually now, that was the conversation. If, if I may, hold on. If I may sidebar on that, uh, we we use the term abolition originally because we thought abolition of slavery, great connotation, right? But not only is it uh, too dramatic of a term, it's not actually accurate to describe the policy, which was bankruptcy and a peaceful orderly dissolution that would preserve a lot of elements of the federal government uh, as Nonviolent, mm. you know, voluntary entities that that would uh, either be public trusts or spun off or localized to the state. So it really isn't abolition. Like here, there's slavery. Here we've abolished slavery. Here's right. the federal government. Here, there's no such thing. Well, well we're actually repurposing and, and organize, reorganizing right. a lot of that, the elements. But um, it, yeah, it it's was a restructuring. A fundamentally different restructuring and elimination of, of unneeded. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so. If, if, if you – so to me, this sounds like fighting over, you know, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, if I'm being optimistic, right? Oh, yeah, we need it. And, and right. I, I get what you're doing <laughs> okay. is, is making a bigger point and saying, like, if you could – if that was – the thing about that, let's revote the election. Uh, is it realistic, like, that we would actually build a critical mass or – get our government to take that endeavor on? No. I mean, it, it's possible, but I would say extremely unrealistic. And, and I think, Oh yeah, no, of, cor- of course it's, is it, is it unreal? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's unrealistic for people to go for enough people to say, I, I, I think there was enough public outcry. <laughs> right. I, I think that, but you know what? Um, I think it would be a lot of fun in my personal opinion. If, if, if the independent masses, those who just, choose to sit out election after election, and they don't get involved in the politics. Now, you know, we, we can discuss and debate the criminality of government and, and, um, and state overreach. I mean, I, I, I'm going to agree with you probably around 99% of what you have to say there. But within the current structure that we have, I, I think that there is a sleeping mass of people who do and are getting fed up. I mean, you've got guys like me and you, veterans, openly defying, you know, um, Federal law, smoking pot on live feeds, 
I think that there is a movement and undercurrent in society of people going, you know what, fuck this, man, this is stupid. You know, they're not wearing their mask. I see them, you know, you see these guys in like Walmart. I see them all the time and we lock eyes and we know, yep, I'm not wearing my mask and he's not wearing his mask. And it's, oh, it's yeah. like a known, yeah, you know, like it's like, like, I like you, man. You know, I like this guy. Uh, he's, he's challenging the man. He's doing what you do in their own little ways. And I, and I think that there is an opportunity to really teach and re-educate about the role of government while moving things backwards and re, yeah, rearrange. I mean, you're right. It, it's a great analogy that we're rearranging chairs, you know, on the Titanic and it's sinking. But I think that if, uh, you know, if people would have had a clue before they hit that iceberg, they would save a lot more people. And so I'm not looking to, you know, try and prevent all the carnage, just save as many as I can. Right. Well, I'm going to bring it back to the immediate teachable moment of the 2020 election that is, is being drawn out to, to draw out our window of, of opportunity to talk about these things as libertarians. And it's, it's, it's a great, it is. Yeah. it's a great conversation. It's a lot of fun. I, I think it really is a critical, critical, teachable moment because I, I, I kind of see the snake eating its own tail here. And, and Trump is a mm. significant destabilizing force, but not because of him, just where we are with historical momentum. As you know, the Roman Empire followed in arc, so does the United States federal government. And when right. I hear people complaining about election fraud this year, it's usually it's the losers, right? And when I hear Democrats and Republicans going, <laughs> True. they cheated. True. Well, they're both correct. And this is a normal thing. This, this <laughs> right. goes back to, like, again, right. Even in the modern right. era of politics and contested presidential elections, hello, Bush Gore 2000, hanging chads, my friend right. Roger Stone yeah. and the Brooks Brothers riot in Florida. If you don't, to the audience, if you don't know those historical points, look them up, educate yourself, get the important <laughs> background here. But do I care if it's Trump or Biden as a libertarian? No. Like, what I care about right. is the larger changing of the paradigm. And so I don't want to use this election dispute that we're in now, or I, I think coming to the end of it, seems, uh, as, as like, oh, that's right. why we need a tinker with the system so it's more fair. Because in and of itself, that message reinforces the premises that, you know, if not that it's a good thing that we have a criminal government with criminal leadership, uh, but that, that we at least accept it and that we should fight over the minutia of it rather than, you know, strike the root, attack it fundamentally in its illogical, unethical premises of uh, of forcing the will of leaders on people violating the non-aggression principle. So when I look at this, I want to mm -hmm. ask the bigger question, uh, how does this – how can we use this to show the American people – that this is a dishonest system that you should have no faith in whatsoever. And that, that, that you are degraded into this kind of political bickering and polarization, fighting over what flavor of statism is going to be forced on your fellow citizens whose freedom you should respect instead of taking this approach. And so then I go back to your original question, and my, right. my ultimate point is, who gives a fuck about five briefcases of ballots in Georgia that's probably just more status theatrics? Well, it, it goes back to uh, kind of the question you asked there of, um, you know, 
do we use this opportunity for that teaching moment, right? And, and where does a lot of this teaching moment unfold? Well, it, it occurs on a public stage uh, with the education of what, I don't know. So when you start, you know, uh, discussing statism or we discuss authoritarianism, uh, many people are lost as you use terms like this. They don't know. And th- so they have to hear the idea behind those terms, right? What does a less authoritarian government, a more moral government, look like? One that is not dictating how people live their lives. If we don't have the opportunities, uh, the same as Republicans and Democrats have, to discuss our policies and how they would rectify these things and not a, not expand the issues, i.e., uh, piss-poor foreign policy, sending our troops overseas for corporate interest, and how that is systemically impacting the American people in their in their economy and their daily lives, it's having those discussions. And so, while you would be against, you know, say uh, revisiting this and and having a, a redo, a revote, I would be all for it, especially if we can have the opportunity to get other candidates. You could even take top five. I mean, there's certain things that the American people, you know, we could go back and forth on as a as a nation on what's the best route to take. Yeah, I agree with you about the criminality of the government and that you're you're just picking you know uh, a, a different version of poison right whenever you're just selecting R or D I would agree with that so they need to hear the ideas they need to do um, and have the opportunity that what we have to go up on a debate stage present our ideas how they're better than than our opposition and less of the character polarization assassination that we have of uh, of individuals because a lot of the shit that's brought up in these campaigns are superfluous bullshit anyway. We don't really give a fuck. Right. So it's all right. Somebody stepped out in their marriage. What would he fucking do? OK, is he going to sell secrets to China? That's what I want to know. You know what I mean? Um, right, so Cass, and, and so wanna, you know, the American Cass, political wanna, landscape and I wanna, how I want to bring this. Well, I want to bring this back to how our, 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 our ever so slightly different fundamental views of humanity and the American people lead us to these divergent strategic analyses perhaps and that what what i have learned is that to, to speaking to what you said earlier about people being ready for fundamental change if you say if, if you go to the american people and say i'm going to tinker with the system i'm going to make the elections fair as opposed to hey guys mm. i'm going to fundamentally alter it you ready to you ready to step up you ready you ready to like really apply a solution as big as the problem here and get to the heart of the matter what I have found is that that inspires and motivates more people. Right. And I, I'm, I'm a big defender and promoter of uh, Joe Jorgensen and her campaign and her performance. But the fact that she did, I will, I'm, I, her votes were undercounted for sure. But did she, was she robbed of victory? No. Was she, did, did she make a breakout year happen for the Libertarian Party? No. And I think if you go into this political conversation accepting their premises, you miss out on the greater opportunity to reach people in their hearts and, 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 and to address all of those nagging things that, that, that they're not capable of articulating, that they know to be true, that they might be afraid to say or stop mm. and examine. If you go in them, if you go to them and say, we're going to make the elections fair, oh, you're another bullshit politician. Mm. If you go to them and say, hey, man, right. I know what you're feeling. I know, I know I, I'm motivated because I see how this negatively impacts your life. I'm not going to bullshit you. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. I'm not gonna accept the legitimacy of the of of the crimes that have been committed against you to reduce your quality of life and limit your freedom. I'm not gonna give any right. credibility to people who have who have right. wronged you. And and I think that's a much better overall I mean I, I have a lot of reasons <laughs> that I prefer that approach. Hmm. Uh, but in policy and in messaging and in, in you know, reaching hearts and minds, not two in the heart, one in the mind, as we said in Iraq, you know, but yeah, just the, the really getting people right. to like Henry David Thoreau being radical means striking the root. And his, his quote that I love to repeat is for every thousand striking at the branches of evil, there is only one striking the root. And when if, if humanity mm. is going to solve this government problem, we got to get past the branches pretty fucking quick here. Right. No, uh, my sentiments would be the same. And, and that's uh, part of the discussion that we were having. And uh, and I'd love to know your thoughts, too, um, was that, I mean, this could potentially this has the potential based upon how the right responds to this. Uh, this has the potential to to explode into a uh, well, I mean, is it is it safe to say that a political civil war could unfold over that? Do you think that? The American people, uh, those on the right and the left, I mean, what if Trump doesn't step out of office? What if they they see this evidence and they go, um, yeah, well, we think that this is indisputable proof that it's been tampered with, and I'm not going to step down yeah. until it's rectified. The investigation plays out, da da da, da. Um, Then, of course, uh, the left's going to see that as a political hold on the office itself. How does that play out for the rest of us in middle America? They're like, man, we just want some fucking common sense around here. Yeah, that's a great question. I think I got a concise answer to that, although I, I could, you know, write a book on the subject, I think. Uh, the bigger dynamics that most people don't take into account in this are what we are capable of and how much we are connected just with modern technology that makes it harder for governments to make international war, but also makes civil war a lot less likely. Mm. Now, when you think about the civil war in the United States, that was a that was a real fucking war. That was that was you know, that was that mm, yeah, no right. dispute. I hear people talk about mm. the polarization in the United States today and the you know street brawls with BLM and Antifa and Proud Boys as a civil war, and it's like, no, no, not even fucking close. Are, are you using this term metaphorically here? Like, and, and what we talk about and to call civil war today, not only in that example, but even in terms of what's possible today, historically would not be called a war. And I'm very optimistic hmm. that if it gets to that level of conflict, peaceful separation, or at least mostly peaceful separation, uh, secession. California is, is already pretty ready to go. <laughs> uh, most of us wouldn't miss them. Right. Uh, Texas, right, uh, yeah. has a pretty strong independent street. Oh, he's ready to. Sp- yeah, the uh, the right. uh, Chicago land versus the rest of the state dispute. Uh, that is also uh, a great example where people are already looking at these things, and I think as just a part of the internet effect, a, a generation that was raised with the internet. Uh, coming into power is going to go, I don't think we have to accept any of the premises or uh, the the lines drawn on a map Mm. by 
crimes of invasion and circumstance of history. Oh, we want to redraw the lines to serve our communities. Why not? You're gonna you're gonna tell us, really, Grandpa? You're gonna tell me the that we can't figure out <laughs> the, 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 how to redraw the lines on the map? That's too complicated. Right, we just have right. to keep doing things the right. way we've always been doing them because that's the way they've always been. Fuck that! No way! No way! So in that sense, would a civil could a civil war happen? I, I yeah, but it's it's extremely unlikely because we're too smart, we're too connected, we're too capable, and the oper- the, the the option mm. of secession or dissolution is is just it's too easy. Um, so I hope that answers it. But Cash, um, CJ wanted me to uh, to to, to I, I know you saw our Trump toilet brush. Um, but he wants me. He wants me to debate you as status Adam. Uh, Adam loves the man. Uh, I, should, I, I go go find my evil oh, so you're, twin. So you're the. So you would be the state, and and I'm going to be Adam. No, that, no, no. I'm that, Adam. I'm going to take your man. spot. Um, or I should say, my evil twin is Adam. Loves the man, and and he would oh, debate you. So you love. Uh, from the status perspective, gotcha. so maybe maybe we'll, let's let let's see okay. if, uh, if there's some incentive to do that with uh, with makethemdebate.com. Dude, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah so right. let me check this out real quick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up. Make. CJ's looking for any oh, opportunity to play, play a clip that. for us. That was it. That was the intro for <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my evil twin. When, when I wanted to see it. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. Anyway, Cash, oh. I want to get to some more callers. I know we got a couple more people waiting backstage and some comments. Um, and I do have to do – I have a little bit journalistic responsibility to meet today. But, uh, yeah, let's make that debate happen. That's right. Fun. <laughs> let's do it. All right. Peace, brother. All right, so we're gonna get we're gonna do at least uh, at least one more news story because I promised this and uh, get to some more comments and calls. This is from theguardian.com. I tried the world's first no-kill lab-grown chicken burger. Exclusive at a test restaurant in Israel, the meat is grown in vats behind a glass screen. Could it be a taste of the future? I told you it was coming. Get ready, it's here, and I. I I describe myself as a consumer choice vegan. When I have the choice, I choose to not consume animal products. Um, if someone else makes it, for, and it, by the way, this makes me the coolest kind of vegan because you'll, you, I, I don't have to be a dick about it. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's there, it's, I just, I'll, you know, I'm not against consumption, but the creation of animal products in a, in a way that denies animals their their rights, their self ownership, even. Uh, the, to, to what extent they, they, uh, the non-aggression principle applies to them. And the intersection with the technology with the story for me is so exciting because I, to me it's a, it's a furtherance of uh, humanity's march towards a voluntary society, towards ethics. And at one point you could say, and I, I'm not here to, to refute the historical case, that, oh, yeah, humans needed meat for the brain explosion. Okay, fine. You know, I'd say it's unnatural to eat meat. No, 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 no. But at the point at which we could get all the nutrients that we get from meat without any killing of animals, it became a choice. And as soon as I recognized that, I chose to say, I will never kill an animal for my pleasure. Because that's what it is. At the point it's a choice, 
you're eating meat for the for, for the pleasure of it. Like let's be honest about it. There are very few people who really have any kind of medical need or dietary need for meat specifically that cannot be met with a uh, a perfect vegetarian at least if not vegan diet already. But now that you can do this. I mean, what do you say about someone who kills animals for pleasure? And you might say, you know, no, I'm not going to condemn every meat eater because there's convenience, there's all sorts of other things that that warp the incentives here. Uh, and I'm not strict about it. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more vegetarian when I travel. I'll inconvenience animals for my convenience. Okay, fine. Uh, that's my excuse. And we're all, you know, I'm not trying to lord this over anybody. We all have our own standards, and I just want to call people to be more conscientious and have a higher standard of ethics. But at the point you go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm killing an animal for pleasure or, you know, hiring someone to kill an animal. I'm paying someone to kill an animal for my pleasure. Yeah, I'd rather not do that if I have the choice. Yeah, no, I, nah, I'd rather not do that. But then when it's choosing to kill an animal when you could get just the same pleasure and nutrition from a synthetic meat product. Now, I'm not saying we're there yet, but this is where we are. This is the cutting edge. This is the application of this technology. But I know that uh, like, as we got just capable with agriculture to have a, a, a much more varied, nutritious diet from non-meat sources, uh, at least in today's world and most places where you have access to that cornucopia of what modern agriculture is capable of, yeah, eating meat is a choice. It is for pleasure, not an essential nutritional choice uh, or need. So eventually, you know, we'll have 3D printed meat on from the molecular level or, or something that at least achieves that equivalent functionality where you go, wait, you could get something that you can't tell the difference between it and you know, real meat and you're going to kill an animal to get what then? So anyway, here's where we are. Uh, PhD in genetics might seem like an unusual requirement for the role of head chef. It makes more sense when the man running the kitchen is not just in charge of frying your chicken burger. He created the meat himself. And I, I'll just point out part of, part of my approach to this. is like I support hunters. I think if you go and hunt and kill your own animal and you do it in as humane a way as possible, and you get other values out of that experience. I'm still against it. I, 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 I choose not to. I would be. I, I, I have hunted, and I would to survive if I needed to. But it's, it's still to hunt and kill your own meat, or, or to even raise your own meat, and, and to kill it is a huge step more conscientious than just blindly eating factory farm pharmaceutical hormone filled meat at the grocery store. So the quote here. Uh, is from Tomer Halevi, as he chops red onions, iceberg lettuce, and avocado. Quote, this burger takes something between two to three days to grow. He then proceeds to batter what appears to be a strip of hot chicken before dipping it in breadcrumbs. Halevi uses the word grow because chickens do not need to be slaughtered en masse to produce this type of meat. Cells taken from source chickens are cultured in a laboratory, creating potentially endless supplies of muscle and fat tissue. Some cells were removed from eggs, meaning the meat is from birds that were never even born. The result is the signature dish of a new venture in Israel, the chicken 
<laughs> the world's first cultured meat restaurant experience. Still close to the public, owing to coronavirus restrictions, the eatery near Tel Aviv opened its doors to The Guardian for the first private visit by a journalist. Oh, my gosh. I can't even cover this story without talking about corona. Yeah, it's touching everything. And it's not corona. It's the, it's the overreaction to it here that is holding back this progress. Imagine, could you, could you tell all these animals, I'm sorry, we just have to kill you because we hadn't figured out synthetic meat because we didn't just advance the market soon enough because we let government dictate all of our relevant policies. So, yeah, we're just going to keep killing animals longer than we have to uh, en masse, right? Okay. <clears throat> no, I'm not saying that that's, you know, you can actually do that calculus with, without a lot of subjective, you know, interjection. But uh, just one more measure of how this is holding people back. And this technology, I'm not trying to say that, like, this is it and we're there and, and this is it, – it, we can all do this tomorrow. There might be, you know, a whole other level of, of technological development that we have to get to before it is practical for, for any kind of widespread adoption. But uh, this, is, uh, this is revolutionary. This is something that, you know, requires, as the article says, no antibiotics or drugs. You think about it for a second, yeah, no shit. If, it, if it's grown in a lab, you don't have an animal that can get sick. Uh, th- th- what we're going to have very soon here, and, and I mean, yeah, a scale of years, maybe, maybe five to ten, is some widely available synthetic meat that is actually better than real meat. And, and I say in some ways we're already there. And I, I, I hate to admit in the middle of all this, you know, high-minded conscious consumerism, my uh, fast food fetish for Burger King's Beyond Burger. But, yeah, the Beyond, Ma- the Beyond Meat. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the Impossible Whopper. Yeah. Uh, Beyond is, oh, man, I'm going to embarrass myself with actually knowing more than I should about fast food in America. Uh, but, no, there, uh, uh, at, at Burger King, it's the Impossible Whopper. And it's good. It's it's we are already at the point with veggie burgers that we can and, and, and ground meat substitutes at least. I, I don't think we we don't have steak or whole meat stuff. Uh, chicken maybe we're there, uh, but even with just the veggie substitutes already, we can produce a, a burger patty that's better than meat. Yeah, it, it, go try it. There's uh, it's it, better texture, flavor, juicier, more consistent. I love it. Uh, and yeah, no animals were killed. Uh, but now synthetic meat taking it to the next level. No excuses, right? Uh, so with this, they have a, a, a breaded patty, deep fried in oil. You know, it's not. Oh, by the way, sweet brioche bun flavored by wasabi and chili mayonnaise with a side of sweet potato chips. Man, Ugh. I'm gonna get so fat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is like this, and there might be issues with this. This might not be, uh, you know, the, the the dream that that it could be. But if not. It's a huge step in, in the right direction, something I think we all have to look forward to in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the coming years. So, yeah, um, just to, to end with some quotes about uh, the you know, reception about this. Um, Even if people were to reject it, cultured meat advocates say it could be used for other purposes. In the U.S., dogs and cats are estimated to eat around a quarter of all meat. Hmm. Perhaps the biggest hurdle, however, is the yuck factor. Now, I'm, just to put that in perspective, if I take 
a cell out of a cow, and I'm able to, in a lab, replicate that in a way that produces perfectly clean meat versus I let that cow grow out and go out and get sick and get pumped with hormones and antibiotics and roll around in its own shit in a factory farm and get go through a slaughterhouse and all. Which is yuckier? Really? Okay. Uh, for many, the idea of lab-grown flesh remains unenticing or even blasphemous. But as Severe says, we're not interfering, we're just doing it a different way. Ice made in a freezer is not interfering with God. It's using technology to do it more efficiently. And so humanity dances forward. All right, just a couple quick headlines. I'll get them out of the way so we can wrap up the show with some fun calls and comments. Government used Patriot Act to gather website visitor logs in 2019 from thehill.com. The federal government used the Patriot Act to collect website visit logs in 2019. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence revealed in letters made public Thursday, putting a renewed focus on surveillance authorities that lapsed earlier this year. Uh, yeah, uh, not really surprising to any of us. Uh, fun headline from Yahoo.com. I don't know, maybe it's not fun for the victims here. Feds say militia leader pointed rifle at officers in Kentucky. That's a crime, pointing a gun at someone who's innocent? Oh, geez, do I get to sue a bunch of cops then? Uh, the leader of a pro-gun group, pro-gun group that stages armed protests against police violence has been charged with pointing a rifle at federal officers while in Kentucky for a demonstration. Uh, John F. Johnson, who calls himself Grandmaster J, is facing a federal charge of assaulting task force officers. A complaint filed in federal court in Louisville said Johnson pointed a rifle which had a flashlight mounted at officers who were on a roof in downtown Louisville on September 4th. Yeah. Fucking snowflakes with badges. You flashed assault. Uh, uh, you flashed a flashlight at me. Therefore, it's assault. They're not even going with the brandishing. I, by the way, I do think brandishing can be a crime. If you uh, if you point uh, a weapon at someone, it, it does represent a threat. And and in, in most contexts, contexts is that's not a word. Most contexts that is 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 a is a, is a violation of someone's self ownership to. Uh, issue an unjustified threat. Uh, so yes, that could be, but that's not what they're talking about. And the standard here is ridiculous. I don't care to get into the story. Just another fun point that was shared, or fun story that was shared in the producers' club today. Uh, ABC News: In race to cement legacy, Trump pushes dozens of midnight regulations. Nothing earth-shattering as of yet, but we will be following the story and coming back to it. Uh, another story shared in the Producers Club that was a lot of fun. Michigan voter fraud hearing goes viral for alleged flatulence. Unruly witness a hearing in Michigan on Wednesday <clears throat> regarding voter fraud in the presidential election went viral over alleged flatulence and testimony from an unruly witness. Uh, yeah, during the nearly five hour hearing before the Michigan State Legislature, President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, excuse me, other witnesses debunked claims of voter fraud and election misconduct. Now, you know, I'm, I'm open to being proven wrong by the Trumpkins. Reported, uh, attempts of you to try to seek a pardon from the president. What, what was the last part? Uh, that last part is not You're relevant attempting to, to seek a pardon, election. so why is this not part of that? I will, I, will, I will ask that he be, he be disciplined for that. First of all, first of all, hold on. Let's, first, first of all let's what he says is it. untrue. Second, that is, a, that is a defamation of my professional character. Do you allow that? Do you allow that to happen in your legislature? As I said, I said reported. Uh, as I said, Representative, let's keep it limited to the germane issue here.
<laughs> yeah, CJ couldn't let us go without playing that video clip. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it does look like. So what I was saying, I'm open to be proven wrong. Uh, you know, we've been surprised by the Trumpkins before, but it does look like the momentum is fading for Trump. Uh, that's all we'll say for now. But yes, definitely. So we'll be covering and, and examining again next week. Trump administration sues Facebook alleged alleges company discriminated against U.S. workers. Uh, this is from the Hill also, and this is uh, kind of a minutia issue in hiring policy where they're going into Facebook and saying that you're favoring people with visas and green cards. Well, this is exactly what Trump would have said were his own business practices. He's just going to respond to the incentives. And uh, the, this sort of, I, I don't know, I think this is kind of a knee-jerk, pandering nationalism thing that kind of plays into the last story of, you know, Trump. Uh, you know, cementing his legacy, so to speak. Um, yeah, and that's it for critical headlines for today. Let's get to some. Uh, let's get Jim back on here, checking some comments, and uh, see if, uh, if we have another caller. What's going on? Uh, everybody enjoyed your uh, your topic about the food, about the Impossible Whopper, and the veganism, and the etc etc you hit a lot of good points they had, somebody had a good question here joshua uh nah nay i don't know how to pronounce the na what about fish is well fish i would, into the meat category i would i would quote kyle canane who says fish fish takes less effort to prepare than a potato you gotta grow a potato harvest a potato wash off a potato the fish are washing themselves all all off right now are you, are you hungry now? Are you hungry now? It's like sushi. It's just it's a wet vegetable. If it, if it, that's how it tastes, you, you're supposed to eat it. No, I, I actually I, I disagree with that. It's just a funny way of looking at it. Although I do in in my sort of underlying principles of consumer choice veganism, uh, I say veganish. You know, um, it's that uh, well, for example. Shellfish are animals. I don't mean all shellfish, but like a, the, the actual simple, not 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 like a, a crab or a, a shrimp or a lobster that has an eyes and and you know can can experience. We know can interact with its environment at a certain conscious conscientious level and experience suffering. Uh, to me, uh, oysters and scallops and mussels—they're on the same scale as plants. I, I, I get it. Biologically, they're animals, right, or whatever they're classified as uh, now more specifically. But um, the point for me is recognizing self-ownership, minimizing harm as, as a conscious consumer. So, I, I you know, um, in that sense, fish are in the, the conscious category. They experience suffering and pain. And, you know, if, if you have to eat them to survive, yeah, do it. But if you don't, why choose to do it? Okay, yeah. So fishing for sport is like catch and release. Would that be unnecessary trauma for fish? What do you think about catch and release fishing? I think that's a sort of mild enough interaction with nature that if you're really getting the whole fun pleasure out of it, that's that's reasonable. I'm not going to complain about fish being traumatized. I think that's pretty silly. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. 
That's horrible. I wouldn't want to have a hook through my cheek and be dragged through anywhere, but, you know, I, I get it. Uh, Craig Darty is waiting for the Jetsons food machine and my flying car. Where's all that stuff? It's 2020. We're yeah. supposed to have all that by now, I think. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get 3D printed meat taken care of. Uh, there, there, there are, you know, I, I didn't even touch on this in, in that story, but there are so many other things that just I, I think are I, it's not I mean I'm a thin libertarian and that libertarianism is just the non-aggression principle right there are a lot of implications for that there are a lot of things related to that but it's it's very narrow in its definition but then you examine also the motivations for it I think a, a lot of what would motivate people to become a libertarian would motivate a lot of people to be conscious consumers in, in a whole host of other ways. And would lead us to celebrate the progress for human health that uh, just nutritional awareness in general represents. But, you know, the 3D printed meat might be like infused with, you know, all the perfect vitamins that the best organic meat is supposed to contain and not be like our, you know, farm bred, tortured, uh, hormone, pharmaceutical, antibiotic, all the other crap meat that most Americans eat today, not just uh, eating. Uh, bad meat as opposed to quality meat that would be healthier, but um, also too much of it generally in our diet. Uh, and, and even if you uh, accept, as I do, that you know that you can have a healthy. I'm not saying that meat is fundamentally unhealthy. You know, I'm not trying to make any, but but the way we do it is, and and that's going to change radically when uh, commonly available 3D printed meat uh, or whatever it is, synthetic meat is is better, cheaper, more available than than what we have today. It's going to really radically alter a lot of things for the better. That would be good. Uh, Empty Matter comes in with a throwback joke. He says, uh, what's the cheapest type of meat? Deer balls. They're under a buck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's new to me. Is that a classic? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I've heard it before. I don't know how classic it is, I guess. Uh I like that one. It's a good one. Uh, Craig Darty shares your love for the Impossible Whopper. Apparently, I've never tried one, so I, uh, I'm not big on the regular Whopper either. But uh, yeah, see, I'm I like I'm a big fan of In-N-Out, and this is one of my vegetarian compromises. Uh, I go to In-N-Out and I get the cheese, uh, excuse me, grilled cheese sandwich. It's good. I love it, and it's like I get so I get and I get the animal fry, animal style. Fry. I get so I, my my meal. My my big indulgent dairy meal at In and Out is a grilled cheese sandwich, extra cheese, extra pickles, animal style, animal animal style fries with a squirt of ketchup and chopped up chilies on top. And I was hoping that we could somehow get that unofficially on the secret menu as Freedom Fries, but I don't, I don't know if that's got any traction. And then uh, you know an extra large Neapolitan milkshake, but you know no I, if if if, uh, if if In-N-Out got a veggie patty, I would I wouldn't be going to Burger King anymore. But I started actually as a as a little bit of deliberate conscious consumerism, or maybe just an excuse to go to Burger King when they were the because they, they were the first. I think it was last year, or the year before, major uh, fast food chain to get uh, to get a, a meat substitute burger that was good. There were a couple of shitty ones out there, that, like and actually Burger King had what was it. Um, there's a really shitty one. It was, it was like just a bunch of vegetables mashed together. It was gross. 
uh, like dry and uh, the flavor was weird. Um, tasted like it came out of the ground. It tasted like dirt, you know, like vegetables. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then they got the Impossible Whopper, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to eat here for a while. <laughs> All right. Interesting. <laughs> Comments? <laughs> Okay, uh, one more real quick. 1054 will hit you with a fun fact before I go. The generic word for fish in Korean is mulgogi, which translates to water meat. I love sushi. I gotta say, like, I, I grew up with sushi. I haven't, I haven't eaten much in a long time. Uh, I've eaten some as leftovers. Uh, but I haven't ordered any, like, I love sashimi. I miss that. That's one thing I miss about, you know, not being veganish. Um, but yeah, when they can make synthetic, like, tuna slices to put wasabi on, oh man, I'm going to eat that, like, three meals a day. Hmm. All right, well, let's get some good news in our life and close out on time today. What do you say? All right, how about that for a Friday? Good news in history. On this day, December 4th, from goodnewsnetwork.org, 105 years ago today, Henry Ford launched a peace ship during World War I, sailing toward Europe to get the boys out of the trenches by Christmas. The auto manufacturer chartered the ocean liner Oscar II and invited prominent peace activists to join him, hoping to create enough publicity to prompt the belligerent nations to convene a peace conference and mediate an end to the Great War. An outbreak of influenza aboard the ship, mockery from the press, and infighting among the activists led him to abandon the mission once it reached Norway, but it forever cemented Ford's reputation as a supporter of underdog causes. He asserted that the peace ship's expedition was successful on the grounds that it stimulated discussions about peace, and the press, upon his return, mostly agreed. The New York Herald wrote, We need more Fords, more peace talks, and less indifference to the greatest crime in the world's history. Too bad it didn't stop the next greatest crime in the world's history. Uh, why do I have to be pessimistic every time in response to good news? No, that's not true. More good news on this date. On this day in 1619, 401 years ago today, 38 colonists from Berkeley Parish, England, disembarked in Virginia and gave thanks to God, which is considered by many to be the first Thanksgiving in the Americas. Although, oh, geez, yeah, there is a... Uh, Native American counter-narrative to that as well. On this day in 1881, the first edition of the LA Times was published. Uh, I don't know if that's good news. Propaganda outlet? All right. On this day in 1909, the Montreal Canadiens Ice Hockey Club, the oldest surviving pro hockey franchise in the world, was founded. Yeah, sport. Good news. Uh, on this day in 1945, the decision to join the United Nations was approved by the U.S. Senate, 65-7. to 7. Plenty of problematic things about the United Nations. I won't try to ignore that. But generally, I would say good things that uh, – it's a good thing that the, the global conversation developed in, in the way that it has uh, compared to what it was before. And I think as a force uh, tamping down the incentives to armed conflict, it at least has been mostly good news. On this day in 1991, journalist Terry Anderson, the last American hostage in Lebanon, was released after seven years of captivity. On this day in 1993, in Angola, a truce was finalized between the government and UNITA rebels. On this day in 2005, tens of thousands of people in Hong Kong protested for democracy, calling on the government to allow universal and equal suffrage. 
So, by the way, that is a story, what's going on in Hong Kong. We're going to have to come back to Maybe some of the producers can, uh, can give us a good update story to cover. But, yeah, we've been, it's, it's interesting that is being pointed out now after so much suppression of democracy in Hong Kong in this coronaphobia season. On this day in 2006, an adult giant squid is caught on video for the first time by Tsunami Kumodera near the Ogasawara Islands, a thousand kilometers or 620 miles for those of you still on the imperial system, south of Tokyo. And that's definitely good news to end the week on. Don't forget to support the show if you didn't win. One of our contests, I don't know who's, I don't know who won today. Everybody who called in. Cash is, if Cash is not a member of the Producers Club, congratulations, you are now. If you're not, go to adamversustheman.com. Check out the link to patreon.com slash adamversustheman. $10 a month. You can buy your way in and get 15% off and free shipping on all the merchandise at the store at adamversustheman.com. You can also support the show. By buying merch, whether you're a Producers Club membership or not, and going to our affiliate, CigarFederation.com, where promo code ADAM10, ADAM10, all caps, gets you 10% off. And I hope by now Mercedes has made the Adam Loves the Man versus Cash Jackson debate at MakeThemDebate.com, so check that out. Everything else, email me, Adam at TheFreedomLine.com. And today we celebrate another historical victory in the war on drugs. As the U.S. House of Representatives, that den of thieves, criminals, and degenerates finally has voted in favor of cannabis decriminalization. And with that, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. 